When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are wrapping up the Mayfield Matrix series here and we are just going to draft quarterbacks like we did a year ago. Kind of around this time, we're going to go through and draft every quarterback. I explained it all at the beginning of the pod, so uh, no need to do it here. It's Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Maurice, Ashley Bastock, Scott Patsko, and me doing the drafting. So uh, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you missed out on some of this Mayfield Matrix stuff. There was some polling, all sorts of stuff like that. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up for that daily newsletter. Become one of our text subscribers and also get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. All right, here we go. Our 2022 quarterback draft wrapping up the Mayfield Matrix. And here we go. We're going to draft quarterbacks here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our second annual, we can officially call it that, our second annual quarterback draft on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Before we do that, though, this is sort of the unofficial ending to the Mayfield Matrix. So, Doug, we threw out all the options on recent podcasts. If you haven't listened, go back and listen on the Orange Brown feed. Uh, Doug wrote some stories as well. Go look for those at cleveland.com slash browns and on Doug's Twitter feed. Doug, you asked people to give us uh, your results or their preference, I guess. So what was yeah. the what were the results of that vote? So there are two different things. One was with each individual, the five options, in the Mayfield matrix, we said, rank this on a scale of one to 10. And then at the end, I said, pick one. So I'm going to give you the results of the one to 10 scale, because that's people sort of taking them into account individually each time. The most popular on the one to 10 scale was Baker with a veteran. That got an overall rating of 6.0. The second most popular was all in on Baker, no extension. That was option one. That was 5.3. Third was Baker with a rookie, 5.1. Fourth was trade for a more established quarterback, 4.8. And fifth was give Baker an extension, 4.1. So Baker with the veteran uh, was, was the one that people liked the most. And we gave all of our opinions over the course of everything. And um, it's very divided. When I did the, hey, just pick one of the five options, every option got at least 14% of the vote. So it wasn't a total, you know, equal 20%, 20%, 20%, but it was close. There was, and there was nothing that was a runaway winner. And there was nothing that was like, ah, no, nobody liked that at all. So it's muddled. And that's not a surprise. Yeah. So there we go. I think, uh, and, and I think that's sort of, um, played out and how we discussed it too and, and how we kind of rated them. I think we were all sort of all over the board with, with our different preferences aside from actually extending Baker. I think that one was one that, that we didn't give a whole lot of attention to. Okay. We're going to draft quarterbacks. Um, and, and I think this is interesting because Baker last year, uh, and, and I'll throw out some of these things as we go along, but just so everyone has context, we drafted Baker 11th last year uh, among quarterbacks. And I'll go through the criteria here as, as to what we were using last year, and what we're using this year. So, the rule is, is you're drafting a quarterback, any quarterback who's eligible to play next season uh, for one year. The contract doesn't matter. 
Uh, potential beyond next year doesn't matter. You're drafting for a generic winning team trying to win the Super Bowl in 2022. And just so everyone's clear, we're not trading Baker Mayfield for this player. This is not the Browns. This is just generic team X that you're trying to win the Super Bowl with. And this is the quarterback you want. So we took Baker Mayfield 11th last year. And I'm really curious to see where he falls this year and where some of these other young guys go. But first, we got to do the draft order. So we're on Zoom for all those out there listening. So I'm going to uh, share my screen here. And uh, you guys are going to get to see the draft lottery uh, done in real time. So here we go. Uh, it's Ashley, Mary Kay, Doug, Scott, and me. I'm going to submit it. And here we go. Pick number five is going to go to me, of course. Right? See? So it's not <laughs> rigged. Uh, pick four is going to go to Doug. Pick three is going to go to Mary Kay. Ooh, Scott and Ashley. Ooh. No, the Beginner's luck. Who's going to have pick two here? Do we it's go to Scott. commercial break yes. here? Oh. <laughs> yeah, we should have. And now pick one is going to be Ashley. So trust me, that was way more exciting in person than it was for those of you out there listening. And it wasn't that exciting in person either. So uh, let's get to it. Ashley, you are first up in our quarterback draft. Who is your number one overall pick? Well, I won't keep the suspense going. I'm actually going to pick the same number one pick that Mary Kay had last year when you guys did this. I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. I think the youth, the playoff success, the big arm, what else is there to say? Um, and I think there's a definitive top three for me, but he was my, my number one. Yeah, number one last year, it was pretty easy. There was no argument about it. Does anyone have an argument this year? Did anyone have anyone else number one on their big board? I did. Oh, Scott did. Who'd you have? Tell me why I'm Cause, wrong. Because you're Scott. up, Scott. You're pick number two. So you get your number one guy. Yeah. So as I started doing last year, I kind of using some uh, some analytics models and help with this because I want to spend as little brain power as possible on determining if Taylor Heineke is better than Daniel Jones, stuff like that. So uh, I'm going to go with this cool, um, well, partly with this cool uh list that was put together kind of joining pff grades and epa two good ways to to measure quarterbacks uh patrick mahomes by the way after the season was not at the top of that list um he was 10th yes he was 10th now career-wise he's number one um so i did have him at number two but i'm gonna go with brady he was my number one i think i might even had him number one last year if you give me a quarterback and we're only talking about one year I'll, I'll take Tom Brady. Um, his resume is decent. So, yeah, I liked him over, over Mahomes in this one. The hard thing with Brady is at some point, like you're anticipating the fall off and, and like, will it ever come? Will he retire before that happens? Because you're not taking him next week. You're taking him next year. And it's like, well, how long can it keep it going? So uh, I probably all have Brady in our top three, but um, I certainly would take Mahomes ahead of him, mostly for that reason. Yeah, I think if we're talking your quarterback for the next five years, it's a no-brainer, Mahomes. But I, I see the argument for Brady. I, I had Mahomes on the top of my list. I still think he's the guy that gives you the best chance to, to win the Super Bowl, regardless of scheme, regardless of talent, regardless of everything around him. I still think Mahomes is that guy. But um, I don't know. How, how can you argue against Tom Brady at this point? I, I think it's impossible. So with that being said, let's move on to pick number. By the way, Scott took Tom Brady number two last year. So we are right in line here with how things went last year. So mm -hmm. number three is Mary Kay. Who do you have? 
Well, I, I, I'm thinking that you guys can pretty much guess who I'm going to take here. Uh, I would have taken Patrick first. I would have taken Tom second. And there's a pretty good chance that we would all take Aaron Rodgers at number three. That's who I'm taking at number three. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what's going to happen in the playoffs here. Uh, but uh, definitely, obviously, he is right, you know, in everybody's top three, I would think, uh, in the, on this panel. And I just have to say something really quick. When I looked over last year's, and we'll get to this later, I went way too high with Baker Mayfield at number 11. That's my fault. I, you know, I should get some kind of a fine for that. And I will take all the arrows that, that I I'm, deserve. I'm going to push back on that. I I listened to, I don't, I don't know. You, you probably just looked at the list. I listened to last year when you took Baker number 11 and I'm telling you, there was a chance Baker could have gone in the top 10 last year and none of us thought it was crazy. So I, th I think this is all context. I mean, we were coming and, off a stretch when Baker Mayfield played really well. And, and somebody who also listened to it, I will say too, like Mary Kay's reasoning for taking him that high was it was his second year in an offensive system. And how was he going to make that leap? And it was the first time in his career he had offensive consistency. Um, so yeah, I think in the context of the time, I agree with Dan, it wasn't that off the wall or anything. Well, let's, let's, let's hold that. Let's hold that Baker discussion. We'll that discussion. We're, we're going to have that but, here in 20 picks. So what do you guys think of, uh, of my pick of Aaron Rodgers at number three? I'm curious to hear. Yeah, I, ha I had him at two on mine, actually, ahead of Brady, just because of basically what Doug said. Like, the age drop-off is going to happen at some point. And obviously, Aaron Rodgers isn't uh, a spring chicken anymore in terms of league standards. But I, I just am, um, when you're looking at the following year, um, obviously, like I said, I think there's an indisputable top three here. And you can kind of play with it after after that, I think. Was, was this everyone's top three? Yeah. Yes. I mean, because it was mine. I had Aaron Rodgers second, but everybody had three guys, these three guys in this order. If you set the parameters we're setting, I'm not sure how many people who care about the NFL at all would have a different top three because you, you would have to make an assumption of a, some level of a jump that you'd have to like, I think really like a young guy who's good, but you think is going to go nuts next year to get them ahead of these three guys at this point. I just, I just think it's hard. I think I have the fourth pick. I feel like the draft starts here. Yeah. So start us off dog. This was uh, Ellis taking Deshaun Watson last year. So who do you have at number four? And we had a Deshaun Watson conversation on our other podcast. And, and again, this is like, this is real life. Do you want him? So like that, I'll be curious where Deshaun Watson winds up going here. I think there's some personal preference that comes in here. I think you could go probably five or six different ways here. I'll be curious to see if people really disagree with that. And this might be high, but I'm going to take Joe Burrow. And I think there is a consistency that it is not unfair to expect with him. I think there are guys with more maybe athletic upside, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Kyla Murray. I think some guys have that over Burrow, but Burrow has a feel for it that I think we see. I think you saw it in college. I think we saw parts of it last season. I think it's there now. He just has a sense in the pocket. I think he's, he plays well in pressure situations. 
And maybe his total upside is not as high as a couple of the guys that I didn't pick, but I feel like his, the, the fact that he's, I'm pretty sure he's going to be good. And I'm, it's less risky to me to take him this high, even though he's only a second year guy. So it wasn't obvious to me, but that's where I went. I also had him at four, Doug. I hate agreeing with you, but basically all the reasons you said, plus just for me, his ability, his processing ability is just what sets him apart. And I know when you guys did this draft last year, a big point of discussion was how he came back, how he was going to come back from the ACL. And he was obviously lower in last year's draft. And I think he just showed a fight and a certain X factor that also is really important here that I, I put him ahead of a couple of other guys that are all in the mix right around this spot. This is really interesting because Burrow gets this spot ahead of Josh Allen ahead of, you know, the Justin Herbert discussion is, is one we'll have soon. I'm, I think, um, <laughs> ahead of Russell Wilson, ahead of, you know, Dak Prescott. I mean, there's, there's some real guys here that you're taking Joe Burrow ahead of. And I, I think there's arguments. I think the Herbert Burrow argument is incredibly interesting, but, um, this is, I, I want to argue with this, but I don't know. I mean, maybe Burrow is kind of this guy already. You know, he, he's almost there. I mean, he is almost there and he doesn't necessarily have, uh, he's, he's got some good receivers, doesn't always have the protection that he needs. And, uh, but yeah, he, he's just about there. You can so make a case for him at, at number four. And some of it is, you know, style points, right? I mean, do you want a real dual threat kind of guy? I had uh, Josh Allen ahead of him uh, in part uh, because of the fact that he is just that dual threat guy. I mean, he's like a linebacker that can go and uh, rip off a 38 yard run for you. So he's got the size and the speed and the running ability. And uh, you know, he just makes so many different kinds of things happen. So I had him ahead of Joe Burrow, but I think uh, we've talked about Joe so many times on this pod. I think we all can see what he is, where he's going and Somebody said the other day, oh, it was Rex Ryan said that uh, you're looking at the next Tom Brady in Joe Burrow. So that's lofty praise from him, but you can make a case for him right here at number four. Yeah, there are a handful of guys that we could have gone. I have two guys ahead of Burrow um, after the after the top three there. But there's a handful, I think, like Doug said, that I don't think anybody would really raise too much objection to if they landed in that fourth spot. Yeah, I, I had, I, I mean, just, just, I had Justin Herbert ahead of Joe Burrow, but that, but that's more like a talent. Like, I think, I think Justin Herbert is a more talented quarterback, but if, if Joe Burrow is Tom Brady, if he's just kind of got that it factor that Tom Brady has, then that's, that's why Joe Burrow, I think would go that that's, that's what you love about Joe Burrow over maybe Justin Herbert. Cause we just haven't seen it from Justin Herbert yet. I've told this story, I think before in a podcast, but because it's been mentioned, I'll tell it again. One preseason practice at Ohio State where we were just like watching guys stretch. This was when Joe Burrow was a backup at Ohio State. Just the way Joe Burrow was standing, the way he stood, I said to somebody, doesn't he kind of look like Tom Brady? He stands like Tom Brady. And the fact that we are now at a position where Rex Ryan and other people are saying like he plays like Tom Brady and Joe Burrow's in the NFL will never cease blowing my mind. And, uh, but I do not think it is it's pocket presence, which I think is the thing. And Joe Burrow, I, I saw him on an interview 
last week that he was even talking about that. He just has a sense for the rush. He has a sense when guys are coming, where he needs to go, that he feels like he often has a way to get out of trouble, even though he's not the most athletic guy. He's not as big. He's not as fast as some other guys, but he, he, he kind of has a knows what's up. So I had Herbert one spot behind. So I debated that for instance, and I have Allen right there too. And I do think it's one of those where Russell Wilson, much like Baker, Played with an injury this year. Dak Pres- Prescott kind of hit like a weird stretch down the stretch that Prescott and, and Wilson are much more established, but they weren't at their best this season. And guys like Allen and Herbert and Burrow are young, young guys who feel like they're ascending. So it's just, I think there's a lot of pick your poison in this kind of thing. Okay. Burrow last year went 15th in our draft. I remember, of course, he had the ACL, um, didn't finish the season. He went 15th. In our draft. So a big leap for him, even if he wouldn't have gone to four, it would have been a big leap for Joe Burrow uh, for sure. Okay. So I've got the fifth pick. I, I really want to take Justin Herbert here, but I, I got to take Josh Allen. I can't leave. I can't leave Josh Allen on the board. I know he didn't have the year that he had last year. His completion percentage was lower, uh, but he's look, he's still, still passed for 4,407 4, yards, 763 rushing. He was 11th in PFF's passing grade. I, I mean, statistically, this year was a step back for Allen, and, and this is a little bit prisoner of the moment, but that game he played against the Patriots was unbelievable. I mean, he dominated that game, and that is, you know, what the Steelers are or were to the Browns before the Browns beat them in the wild card round. That's what the Patriots were to the Bills, and maybe even times 10. Like, the beating the Patriots as, as an AFC East team means something, even if Tom Brady's not there anymore. And so I, I just think that game and, and this week they play Kansas city and it's going to be Josh Allen's chance to maybe ascend now into that, that conversation with like a Patrick Mahomes. So I I'm taking Josh Allen here based on what he's capable of doing in a game like that. And sort of what Mary Kay was saying too, just that the guy's a linebacker. He, he's one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the game. I like him here, Dan, for some of the reasons that I, that I mentioned before, I mean, there's, uh, there, you know, he's totally got that it factor. And what I like about him, one of the things I like about him the most is what Brian Dayball and Ken Dorsey have been able to do with him. Uh, each year he, you, you know, he, he gets better and better and they know how to use him. And I, sometimes I wonder, you know, will Josh Allen still be uh, this good when he doesn't have Brian Dayball and Ken Dorsey with him? You know, sometimes uh, a quarterback is a product of, what the play caller does for him. And I think Brian has just unlocked the magic of Josh Allen. And uh, so much of it has to do with uh, those designed runs at the right time. And then, you know, that cannon arm, I mean, my goodness, right? I mean, it's like something to behold. Um, and he, he's just been dynamite. And I, you know, it will be interesting to see what the Chiefs can do because the Chiefs defense is not the Chiefs defense uh, that the Browns played in week one. This is a, a much, much better version of the, uh, of the Chiefs defense. So, um, so I do think that, um, that he belongs right here. I had him right here. So great pick, Dan. And did anyone, did anyone waver on Josh Allen this year? We, we took Josh Allen last year pretty high as well as you'd expect. Uh, he went number seven to Scott. Uh, did anybody waver on Josh Allen as a top five or six guy? 
I had him in my top six. I mean, I think like when you're looking at his season, obviously the start was kind of sluggish, but obviously you look at what he did against the Patriots, even, even though they lost against the Bucks, like how he played in that game as well. Like his big moments are just so big and kind of everything that Mary Kay said with what he can do physically. Um, I think he's still a no brainer top six guy. And it really is all about preference. Like for me, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, um, just the the fact that they are so young, like still and doing what they do. That's why I had them a little bit higher entering next year. Um, but still, I think kind of inter- interchangeable there, depending on what you want. Yeah, I had Allen sixth. I still like week to week. Um, I would I'm a little more not nervous, but like compared to some other guys, I don't know if he's as consistent as some other guys still throws a decent number of picks. But, you know, the big play potential on top of that is certainly worth that. I do think some of the rushing yards is like, he's almost like Nick Chubb for them that they don't have a huge run game. And sometimes, you know, he'll have a moment where it's like, you know, they break in and they show a highlight. It's like a three yard rushing touchdown by Josh Allen. It's like, we just snapped the ball to him and told him to run because they don't have Nick Chubb, you know, like, but, but also part of that is that he's a linebacker. So he's obviously, and Mary Kay will still do the podcast. I never thought he'd be accurate enough to be this, to be this consistent, but the package of skills, right? When you get a guy at that size with that athleticism who does, who is accurate, then it's like, well, how do you stop it? So the upside is so tremendous that even if I'm slightly hesitant on the consistency, he's still in my top six. Right. And then that, that's what it is. It's like, what, what's like the one or two things that this guy does really well. And it's that arm, it's that mobility. So, so you can live with, you know, every now and again, you have a 62% completion percentage because you just know what that top end talent is. All right. So Mahomes one, Brady two, Rogers three, Burrow four, Josh Allen five. We are on to round number two. Ashley, kick us off. Well, I'm still kind of shocked Dan didn't take Justin Herbert. So I'm going to take Justin Herbert, obviously. Like I said, I mean, I had him at number five on, on my board, just above Josh Allen. Um, obviously a huge arm. You look at what he did this year, obviously, number three offensive rating and number six passer rating, according to PFF among quarterbacks with that snap minimum in there. Um, and then just like what he did in the Raiders game, even like he hits that fourth and 21 to keep the season alive. He gets the ball in a double coverage on that final play of regulation to send the game into overtime. Like just the, the highs are so, so high for me. And I am so excited to see what he does next year and obviously throughout his career. But again, I think for me, this is a top five guy easily. Number 10 last year, Doug actually took him ahead of Joe Burrow. Doug, you took him last year too. You took him at 10. Um, Seeing him in person this year was incredible. The accuracy, the arm strength, the awareness, Ashley, you mentioned that, that game 17 against the Raiders. I mean, he looked like John Elway. You know, I mean, that, it's yeah. all there. It's all there with Herbert. He just and, hasn't, he hasn't led a team to the playoffs and, and had that playoff performance like Burrow had this year. And just really quick, like with him too, like I talked about Burrow's processing for being a big reason why I liked him this high. I think Herbert has that too. So that, that was also part of my reasoning. I had him fifth and don't overlook his ability to uh, get phantom DPI calls uh, downfield. <laughs> Browns fans remember that well, but yeah, he's definitely uh, a guy that should be in the top uh, five, six, seven here. 
you know, he's just, he's go big or go home. I mean, he's just got so much confidence. He's got so much upside. He's still so young. Uh, I mean, he's just got, got that tremendous arm. He's got that it factor. He's got that uh, comeback ability gamer, you know, from, you know, looking ahead now, um, I'm all about the gamer. I mean, you've got to be able to pass your way back into a game. You've got to be able to go down in that two minute drill and, and bring your team back and make those plays and overcome the holding calls that you're going to get and overcome the drops that your receivers are going to do on those two minute drills. You have to overcome every adversity and still go out there and bring your team back and win the dang game. And, uh, and I think for the most part, uh, Justin Herbert has all of those qualities and uh, he's dynamite. So I, I do think we just need to throw into this discussion with some of these guys, even at this point, like the top three of the top three, top three are all timer hall of famer dudes. Like the chargers didn't make the playoffs and, and Justin Herbert had a stretch like where, you know, it was like, Hey, the chargers look like the team that, that nobody wants to play in the postseason, Right. And then they lost three of their last four. So that's not like entirely his fault, but like his quarterback rating wasn't good for three of those last four games. The losses like, you know, he didn't get his team in the playoffs. So even I think once you get past Mahomes, Brady, and Rodgers, there's this crop of like young, talented guys that aren't perfect and aren't aren't 100% sure things. And even just to be fair, like I mentioned Josh Allen's interceptions, Joe Burrow throws interceptions, right? That they're all these guys, they're not 100%ers. So, you know, the idea that, yes, Justin Herbert, was a gamer in the Raiders game. He was 34 of 64 in that game, 53% completions. And we all watched that game. It was like incomplete on the first three downs, then fourth and 10 convert. So, you know, I don't, I'm not disagreeing. I had in my top five, but all these guys do have some flaws. And I don't think we know, we don't know who in the end, five years from now, eight years from now is going to be the better quarterback between Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray and some of these other guys that we have in this group because they all have games. They've all had games this season where it's like, oh, man, I was kind of surprised they weren't a little better than that. But that's kind of the nature of playing quarterback in the NFL. And I think it's just the nature with younger quarterbacks, too. Like we're talking about who don't have a ton of this playoff experience or anything. So a lot of it, like you're saying, Doug, to agree with you again, is just like, you're taking a gamble. I think at this point on some level, like we're going to get lower in the draft where it's going to get a lot dicier, I think, but right now there's still some element of unknown with a lot of these guys, I think. All right, Scott, you're up at seven. All right. Uh, I'm taking the guy who I had fourth on my board, Lamar Jackson. Um, I know he had a crappy year in terms of stats, but the reason the Ravens were in the playoff uh, hunt at the end of the season is because of, uh, mostly because of what he did. As good as Tyler Huntley looked, they only won one game where he played the majority of the snaps. So um, Lamar Jackson, I'm willing to overlook this year. He's still one of the most dangerous players in the NFL, a nightmare to, to game plan against, can overcome four interceptions in a single game to, to get the win. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's the guy ahead of Herbert, Burrow, and Allen. But, again, I think a lot of those guys are just kind of mashed together. I was very curious to see where Lamar Jackson went. Uh, last year, he went ninth uh, to Ellis. Very curious to see where he went. I mean, this was a guy that was getting MVP buzz at one point this year. 
that great game against Minnesota. Uh, it kind of fell apart against Miami. And, and then we never really got to see how he adjusted after that, right? He had that bad game against Miami through four picks against the Browns. We just never he got hurt and we just never got to see how is Lamar going to adjust to kind of what these defenses are doing now um, after what Brian Flores showed. And then look, if somebody's going to figure it out, Lamar has shown us again and again, he's going to come back next year and he's going to have something figured out to, to deal with whatever gets thrown at him. I, I think it's quite possible that Scott is right here and that a lot of the rest of us are wrong to have Lamar sort of ahead of the crop of young guys with upside. This is a guy who has an MVP award. This is a guy who has won a lot in the league. There are, are questions about Lamar a little bit still in the playoffs, that kind of thing. But this guy has a resume and the Ravens missed him when he was gone, even though the Ravens backup quarterback seemed pretty good. So I had him like right here in the seven to eight range, but for someone listening to be like, what are you guys doing? Joe Burrow ahead of Lamar Jackson. Joe Burrow has been in the league for two years. What are you doing? I think that's a very, that could be a very reasonable opinion if, if people would be shouting at their phones right now. You know, it's once again, some of, some of it is the style of quarterback. I mean, look at the things that Lamar can do. I mean, he is a, playmaker he's a game talk about gamer I mean the reason why they were in football games this year when they didn't have you know Marcus Peters Marlon Humphrey J.K. Dobbins Gus Edwards Ronnie Stanley all of their pro bowlers was because of Lamar Jackson I mean he was amazing I think it was something like he had like six fourth quarter comebacks uh you know before uh he had that little tackle by JOK and they lost their final six football games when he was lost for the rest of the season. Uh, who knows what would have happened in the AFC North if Lamar Jackson would have been around. He is the kind of player that can strap a football team onto his back and win the game for you. Uh, it doesn't matter. There were no excuses for Lamar Jackson. It, he didn't have to sit up there and try to say, all of my Pro Bowl players on both sides of the ball are gone. I have to go out and win the football game. And he had them in contention uh, to win the AFC North all the way up until the very end. And so he, he is, uh, I'm very, very high on Lamar Jackson. I like his attitude. I like his game. I like his dual threat ability. And uh, I like the gamer that he is. Okay. So that takes us to number eight and Mary Kay. Okay. Well, you know, we are in that range now where, or you can go, we've been in that range, but where you can go a lot of different ways. And this, I was torn between two players here and I chose the easier, softer path. And I'm not going to say who the other one is at this point, but, um, but the one that I chose did not have a good season this year, did not get his team into the playoffs. And we don't know where he's going to be in 2022, but I still think, uh, that he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I still think that he is a gamer. I still really, really like him uh, as a quarterback, and I expect him uh, to rebound in 2022, and that is Russell Wilson. Go ahead. I had him ninth. This is Mary Kay picking him eighth. I think this is right in the right range for him. He had the finger injury that sort of affected him the entire season, but you look at the decade-long resume there, um, if he hits the market, it will change the NFL. He has a chance. He's the type of quarterback, when you think about some of the rumored teams that 
maybe he would go to if he leaves Seattle, if he winds up with the Eagles, right? If he winds up in Vegas, if he winds up with the Giants, I mean, he will transform franchises because I think he still has that level. I think he's 33. So, you know, he might have another six to eight years, the way quarterbacks are going now, of really high-level play in him. So I think this is a good pick. Yeah, I think we were in that range where if if you went on the clock and you didn't pick Russell Wilson, you're kind of saying, eh, he might be done. So, so I think he, he had to go here at some point. I, I still had him pretty high up on my board. Uh, the, the only question is how much was the finger injury and how much is maybe he is slowing down a little bit, but I still think, I still think he's a guy that can change a franchise, um, especially if he goes someplace that's kind of, kind of got everything set up around him. So yeah, he, he had to kind of go in this spot. Uh, all right. So that takes us to, Doug at number nine, especially if he goes to a place that has everything set up around him. Hmm. All right. I'm going to take a place that's really good at running play action. Yeah. It's a good run game. Good defense. So um, I'm going to pick a guy who at one point this season was the MVP. And if he hadn't gotten hurt, I think he might've been the MVP. I'll take Kyla Murray. He had a great first half of the year. He hurt his ankle. He didn't play in November. He came back. Cardinals fell apart down the stretch. He didn't play as well. I wasn't watching a ton of Cardinals. I don't know if he was still bothered by the ankle or whatever, but like this guy, again, what the way he was playing in the first half of the year, I mean, you'd take this guy with, with any quarterback in the league. And I still think there's more um, out there for him. You know, he, he, he is a throw first quarterback only threw for only ran for 423 yards, but you know, I think I think there's a lot in there with Kyla Murray. And so um, that that start to the season for the Cardinals, I'm, I'm going to keep that in the back of my head. And it is a reminder here for this whole discussion, because, again, we're doing this. Well, we do it anyway. You can do this on any podcast. It's fun to draft quarterbacks in the NFL. But Cleveland is dealing with a quarterback who had an injury this year and it affected his play. There are a lot of quarterbacks that we're talking about who had injuries this year and it affected their play. Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. you got to try to figure all that out and take that into account one way or the other. So, again, I, I had Kyler right in this mix. I actually had him a spot ahead of Russell Wilson, but uh, I feel pretty good taking him here. Up from 13th a year ago. My only concern with Kyler is this was kind of the second year in a row where he's dealt with an injury in the second half of the season. Uh, so if I'm bringing this guy in to go, to go win a Super Bowl for me, he just hasn't been able to make it through completely healthy yet. And, and that concerns me. Is it a trend or is it just two years in a row, something bad happened and, and he'll be okay moving forward. Wait, I, I am curious. I, so Kyler was the guy when I was putting together my big board, I, I wonder where everybody had him. Where did you guys have Kyler on your boards? I actually had him right around here at okay. eight. I was, my reasoning was basically the same as Doug's that I, I gave the injury a lot of, I gave him a lot of grace because of the injury and when it happened and how late in the season it happened. And the fact that he was playing in a uh, MVP caliber football up until that point. Yeah. I had him at ninth as well, right ahead of Russell Wilson, just like Doug did. Okay. I, I actually had him probably a little lower than, uh, than I should have had him at 11. Um, but I think it's recency bias. You know, I think you watch a game and, you know, you have that in your mind. And I think, you know, the weekend just kind of left me, you know, not, you know, super high on him for that. But I mean, that that's kind of ridiculous. He's an amazing quarterback. And, you know, some people are talking about the fact that he does need 
uh, a different vibe in terms of play calling and, and that sort of stuff. That's somebody that could really unlock the magic of him even a little bit better. So um, this is a good place for him. Okay, so I'm really happy this guy's here for me. Um, I'm, I think this is great value at, at number 10. Uh, if I'm going to try and win a Super Bowl next year, I know that, he, look, he's not perfect, but he was on pace before he got hurt last year to approach 6,000 passing yards, threw for almost 4,500 this year, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 68% completion percentage, seventh in PFF's passing grade. Give me Dak Prescott at, at number 10. I can drop Dak Prescott into an offense. I know he's got a ton of weapons in Dallas, but I can drop Dak Prescott into an offense. And, and I can win a whole bunch of football games with him. And I'll take my chances here, getting him 10th overall in, in this draft. Um, I, I think sometimes we forget about Dak a little bit, but I, I think he's one of the best passers in the game. And I'll take him on my team at number 10 for sure. I thought he was going to fall to me, Dan. <laughs> this is brutal. No, I mean, I agree with you. He's top 10 in completion percentage, offensive rating, passer rating this year. Um, I think once his his footwork and the ability to make throws kind of came back once he was working his way back from that injury. So um, I had him in my top 10. I had him at seven, actually. I had him very high. So I thought I was liking my chances at 11, but you ruined it. I think you had no chance to get him at 11 because I think this might be an indisputable top 10. Because I'm close. looking at like who I have like 11th and 12th and 13th, and I'm like, well, they're not as good as Dak Prescott. And you know, I mean, if someone, you know, I'm not so sure you couldn't flip flop Joe Burrow and Dak Prescott on this list and have people think that that makes sense too. I think there's a clear top three, and then I think this is the next group of seven, and then I think we get to a there's just a there's maybe less upside with some of these guys, or they're so young you just don't know yet. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, this is right a year ago. We were talking about Baker Mayfield is like right on the edge of being a top 10 quarterback in our mind. To me, this is what it means to be a top 10 quarterback in the league right now. Cause I think a lot of people would have the same top 10. I had him exactly here at number 10. So I think this is a fabulous pick Dan. And then I think it's also easy to forget uh, because of the way, you know, their season ended and whatnot. Uh, that he finished third in the NFL in quarterback rating at 104.2 behind only Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow. And there is something to be said for quarterback rating. I don't care what anybody says. It still matters. I know QBR is in there as well. He was ninth in that, which is very high at 54.8. But in terms of uh, touchdowns to interceptions, 37 to 10, if we remember correctly, uh, Dan Orlovsky, that is the magic number that Dan Orlovsky thought that Baker Mayfield was going to have this year, 37 touchdown passes, uh, which is tied for fourth in the NFL. So great pick here. Uh, once again, the way their season ended, you know, I think you think you have that in your mind as you're making the list, but I had him right here at number 10. Okay, so here's our top 10. Uh, Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Jackson, Wilson, Murray, and Prescott. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to hit a whole bunch of guys here. I think this next round we're going to be able to move through pretty quick because I think a lot of these guys are the same. Um, so we're going to get to that after the break. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Ashley, pick number 11. Take us away. 
I'm between two guys here and I don't know how I feel <laughs> about this pick quite honestly, but I'm going to go with Matt Stafford. I mean, he's not perfect. Like you said, I think a lot of these guys have, have similar faults. He's not perfect the way he turned it over in the last few weeks of the season, obviously not great, but still top 10 in passer rating offensive rating. Obviously uh, LA made that trade to get him for a reason. Um, and just overall, I mean, still in the top five in passing yards. So it, I was between two guys and I'll say who the other one was once we pick him, but, um, I'm going to go with Stafford here. Okay. Let, let's move through this round because I think we're going to kind of discuss a lot of these guys in mass. So Scott, why don't you go ahead and make your pick, man? This, this next, this, this sorry, by the way, I had, I had Stafford, uh, what did I have him five, six, seven, I had him eighth. They got his best completion percentage ever out of him. Most touchdowns and tied for his career high. But then after you get past 11, like the next three or four guys, it was really tough. I, I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins here. Um, I think I've said before on the podcast that he's just, he's been solid. He's been efficient. Um, and hey, you know, if you want a quarterback to drop into a s- offensive system similar to what the Browns have, um, he's a good choice. So, but I think like you said, there are, he, he kind of, you lump him together with a few guys here. Yeah, and that, that, that's why I wanted to get, because I think we're all going to have this group ranked a little bit differently. So, uh, Mary Kay, who do you have? Well, I'm going to make a controversial pick here. I'm, cool. going, by, I'm going by talent alone. Uh, I'm going with the, uh, the notion that uh, innocent until proven guilty, and we don't know exactly where this is going to go yet. So this is strictly on football talent and not really strictly on football well, talent. Well, well, yeah, because I think you have to factor in whether you'd want him under these circumstances. Right. And so, if, you're, if you're trying to win the Super Bowl with him next year. Yeah. It's the whole package. For, are you going to be without him for eight games? It's the whole package. I know. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and you're right. If we were going strictly on football talent, he for sure would have gone in the top 10. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, but I, I'm going to make the, I'm going to make the controversial pick here. Uh, if for nothing else, for the sake of some, uh, some intense conversation. So Deshaun Watson at number 13. Okay, so that is not a name I expected to hear in this group. I expected to hear a couple other names. I didn't expect Deshaun Watson to come up here. Do we need to stop and talk about Deshaun now, or should we should we go through this round? And, and Let's go through it? the round, I think. Okay, all right. Uh, so that leaves Doug. You're up. So I think I'm going to take another guy that does not fit into this group that you're talking about, Dan. Because, Dan, I understand the group that you're talking about, but <laughs> I'm going to take an upside guy who I actually had 11th, and I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence. And it's a matter of when you're thinking of this group, how much do you believe in like some of these young guys are ready to do it like right now. And Trevor Lawrence was in an awful situation in Jacksonville this year. He looked awful at times. I think once Urban Meyer was fired, he rounded into form a little bit, but I think all of the things that you thought were in place with Trevor Lawrence, when he was drafted overall, number one are still there. And now he has a year in the league. So when we're talking about the kind of play that we saw from Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow in year two, man, like does anybody think Trevor Lawrence can't be that kind of quarterback next year? So here in this tier where we're dealing with like sort of solid, consistent guys, but it's not as much upside. I I feel pretty good about taking Trevor Lawrence. I was curious about where Trevor was going to go. I I thought there was going to be a point where maybe I can make a case for Trevor, that maybe things in Jacksonville weren't, we shouldn't judge him on what happened in year one, but um 
yeah. So this, so he went uh, 16th last year. I think I, I just pulled it up and I, yeah, he went 16th last year. So this is about where he went. And so for me, I'll just wrap this up by taking Derek Carr, uh, the outside of Joe Burrow. You know, obviously we say this is a Joe Burrow podcast all the time. This is also now a Derek Carr podcast uh, with how much we talk about him. But this is where I'm going to put Derek Carr. When I mentioned all those guys and a lot of those guys that I thought were going to go in this stretch, I actually had Carr kind of on top of that group. Uh, so, you know, look, we spent a ton of time talking about him last week. So that's where I'm going to go here at number 15. Those were, he was the other one when I was picking at 11, who I was between, I was between Stafford and Carr. Okay. So we end up with Stafford, Cousins, Watson, Lawrence, and Derek Carr. Where should, where should Watson be? Is 13 right for Watson based on everything? I mean, we talked about the football talent, obviously it's top five, but based on the whole package, is Watson in the right spot here. I had him 20th because I tried to draw a line at like, well, now we're at the point where he is so much better than other quarterbacks below him that I guess I'll deal with all the off-field stuff. But the, there's still some solid guys out there to me that it's like, well, I mean, they're not as talented as Deshaun Watson, but I think you can win with these quarterbacks. I think you can win at a very high level with Derek Carr in the right situation. So I'll take Derek Carr ahead of Deshaun Watson because I don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson, right? So I, I, I that to me is how I... Now, Dan, I think the thing that you said when we had the, I don't know that we have to talk about Watson a lot because everybody has their own individual, every listener to this views it their own way. But you said it says something about the kind of franchise you are. And so like, I I also sort of feel bad of like, well, I care about character and off-field behavior. Eh, Unless my quarterback's really bad, then I don't care anymore, right? Should it be that like, well, he's either number five or he's, he's off the list. If you really are sticking to your principles, so I think you could make like that argument as well, but I had him 20. Yeah, I had him. I didn't have him on my list, quite honestly. I mean, I think the off the field stuff is too much and I just really wasn't factoring it in because like you said, Dan, I mean, there's no guarantee he's going to be out there next year. So I didn't want to take the chance and I didn't even consider him. But I mean, like Mary Kay was saying, if, if you're just talking about talent, like obviously that's a top 10, top five guy for me, but the practicality of it, I was not, I did not consider him for this. Yeah, he wasn't on my list. Um, and, and I do agree. If he's either top five or he's not on your list. There's like putting him somewhere in this range. Um, I mean, his off the field stuff is going to have zero impact on his ability to convert a third down. It's uh, it's whether or not you want him on your team or not. And so, yeah, but definitely a top five talent. I think what makes this range interesting though, and maybe what makes this relevant to the Browns is like, we went through those first 10 picks and even like Matthew Stafford, it was like, like Mary Kate, would you have taken, if Stafford, if you would have been an 11, would you have taken Stafford over Watson? Yes. Okay. So we kind of get through those first 10 and 11 and, and Watson's name doesn't even really come up other than, Oh, look, this is where we picked him last year. And everybody knows, knows why we're not picking him here this year. And now we're getting into this range where we're getting into the Derek cars and eventually Jimmy G and we haven't even mentioned Baker yet. And, and we're getting into this range of like eh, interchangeable guys. And it's like, at what point do you decide, you know what, forget it. We're just going to, we're going to go take a chance on Deshaun Watson. And, that, and I think this is a really, I think he's in the right spot here. I think this is the type of quarterback now where you start to say, do we just go get one of those interchangeable parts 
or do we just kind of throw caution to the wind and let's go get Deshaun Watson and, you know, deal with a couple of bad press conferences and hope we can stay on the field. Yeah. It's super, super controversial. And I think some team is going to take uh, that kind of a chance. Uh, but of course uh, it, it's going to come down to um, it would have to be clearing up the uh, you know, the, the situation and the legal troubles that he had, but it's also going to be more than that it's going to have to be a team that has the infrastructure uh, and the support system to try to potentially rehabilitate a player's off the field issues. Uh, and it would have to be that. It's gonna have to be a player that you're gonna take a risk on, you're gonna take a chance on, and maybe even you know, somewhat of a, a, a lower financial risk or whatever you have to do to make this work for you. Uh, but again, it's very controversial and it is going to require, I would think uh, anybody that, that rolls the dice uh, would have to, uh, there would have to be plenty of off the field support and, and help and rehabilitation and whatever else it was going to require. Okay. So now we're going to keep moving along and we're going to start throwing in some of these names that I was expecting to see in that last round. Ashley, you're up at 16. I'm going to take Ryan Tannehill here. And I know he didn't have the best year, <laughs> but I think he still overall has shown like he didn't have very good pass protection this year. He still kind of performed in the right environment. Obviously, Tennessee still gets the number one seed in the playoffs. So if we're talking about playoff success, if he's in the right system, I think there's a path here. And obviously, we're getting murkier with each pick, I think, depending on what you want. So I'm going to I'm gonna give him the grace and take him at 16. I had Tannehill right around this range. I actually had him on my list. I had a car. That might have just been. I had him at 14, so. Um I, I do think this year was not the Ryan Tannehill that we've seen in the years past, but like Derrick Henry was out for a bunch of games and AJ Brown was in and out of the lineup. I think AJ Brown was one of the best receivers in football. Julio Jones was completely unreliable. You know, didn't play very much. And here the Titans are at number one in, in the AFC. They, they managed to get through and Ryan Tannehill statistically 3,700 yards, 21 touchdowns. He did throw more interceptions than he ever has with the Titans, but eighth in PFF and passing grade, he still had a reasonably decent year. We took him, well, I shouldn't say we, I took him at eighth last year. So, th so this is a big drop for, for Ryan, but um, again, he's kind of in this group. So let's kind of keep moving as we get to Scott at number 17. Wow. So the guys I have ranked at 13th and 14th are still on the board. And they are very, 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 very similar. Uh, two guys who performed really well when they've both been healthy. Um, both have had consistency issues. Man, I, I literally had a slash in between these guys. Um, I, <laughs> I'm going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, he has his team in the playoffs this year and he has performed really well when he's been healthy there. It's been an issue. Um, he's held off, you know, the, the high draft pick they brought in to, to try and displace him. And again, I think he fits in with a lot of the guys we're talking about in this section where kind of take the good with the bad. Um, so yeah, I'm going to uh, set the table for someone else potentially here and I'm going to take Garoppolo. I can't wait for Scott to tell us who the other guy yeah. the back half of that slash is. <laughs> but oh, it's a mystery. 
this this sounds about right to me. He's taken him Jimmy G seventeenth. I had him eighteenth. So again, I, Dan, when you're talking about this clump of guys, I assume Jimmy G is part of that clump. Can can I ask this? And Scott, I actually I want to ask you this. At what point do we factor in wins? Because I I, I tend to agree with you for the most part that quarterback wins is kind of a it, it's it's a faulty stat at at best. But this is a guy that for whatever reason. He's just won a bunch of games whenever he started. 33 and 14 as a starter. I, like at some point, th- does that factor in? Uh, I think a good defense factors in more than whether or not this guy, quote unquote, won games. Um, he's been the winning quarterback for sure. And I think, like, in that offense, um, in a handful of offenses in this league, you just want a guy who's efficient and who doesn't mess up <laughs> too much. Um, and then you pair that guy with a really good defense and you can go places, but I'm not ready to say that he's a guy who is a, who has a good record as a, as a starter. Cause that's, that's imaginary. I, I do think almost every time Jimmy G wins a big game, there's still almost always a feeling of, of like, uh, he could have done a little more even in that like, way. Like Sunday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Sunday, like the, Super Bowl where he missed the deep ball that might have changed the game, right? Or whatever. Like there's just like uh close, so close. But I'm not he's not he's not quite an over the gets you over the top kind of quarterback, but he's a you can get there with him kind of quarterback. Like a lot of that has to do with the plays that we see and the replays that we see and the things we remember. And the quarterback making a big throw to win that game versus the guy who made all the important throws on second and third down to keep the drive alive, you know, he's, he's not making that fantastic back of the corner of the end zone pass, but he, he did what he was supposed to do to get you there. He's, you know, again, he's efficient. He's not necessarily as splashy as some of the other guys. Now, so Scott Jim- and I disagree on uh, quarterback uh, wins and losses as much as uh, Doug and I disagree on disagreed on Josh Allen coming out in the draft. <laughs> But I, I will say that your previous, one of your previous picks, uh, the record of their football team was different with him and without him after he injured his, his ankle. And he did have six fourth quarter comebacks. So I do think that there uh, is something to be said for quarterback wins. And the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. You take Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, with San Francisco 49ers with him and without him, uh, there traditionally has been a marked difference. So I do think that, uh, uh, the quarterback's performance and his own, uh, you know, record has something to do with the record of the team. So that's just something that we're probably always going to disagree on. Um, but, uh, you know, I, when you've got fourth quarter comebacks and two minute drives and all, you know, game winning drives and all those kinds of things, I think it matters. And his own coach also traded up to number three in the draft and gave up a bunch of picks to take the quarterback <laughs> to replace. Him. So that has to factor in too. The Kyle Shanahan was like, ah, we made the Super Bowl with him, but uh, he's not good enough for me. And, and the GM is liking tweets in church about leaving him in Nashville or so, something <laughs> like that. Uh, okay. Jimmy Garoppolo up a spot from number 18. So now we are to pick number 18. Mary Kay, you are up. All right. Now my next batch of, um, of guys that I'm dealing with here, I didn't make my big board all the way down in, in part because uh, I just kind of ran out of time. So, so my big board really uh, only went up to 
uh, 15. And then after that, I just kind of have uh, a list of guys that are all lumped together. But I think if we all uh, asked ourselves, we, you know, we all kind of feel that way about this batch of guys, right? I mean, they, you know, you could pick any one of them and plug them in here. Maybe I'm wrong. Scott seems to have somebody that absolutely needs to be here at number 18. I don't have that guy. Uh, and the pick that I'm going to make is, I think Doug is going to have a problem with it. That's okay. Uh, I, I do enjoy a healthy debate, but uh, in case you haven't noticed. Um, but yeah, this is somebody that I think has good upside potential and showed some things this year uh, that I thought were pretty cool. And he's young and I like him. And when I say the next thing, you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. But I like his touch on the ball. I like the way that he can change it up and put uh, different, you know, a different speed on the ball for, for what it requires at times. And I think if he had a little bit more experience and a better situation around him, I think he has the potential to be good. And that is Mac Jones, number 18. If he had a better situation around him, like if he was coached by somebody other than the greatest coach in NFL history. Well, yeah. I, I do think that we are thrown off a little bit on Mac Jones because he sliced and diced the Browns. I think we saw the best of Mac Jones, which actually is one of those things of like, I take that more as an indictment of the Browns defense. It's like this Browns defense is ready to win the Super Bowl. It was like the Browns defense had no answer for Mac Jones. Mac Jones looked like a middle school quarterback in his playoff game against the Bills. Mac Jones, like I, I, I well, so did Kyler Murray. To be but fair, please, the, to be fair, the Bills have the best defense in football. But but let's let's not talk about Mac Jones and Kyler Murray in the same <laughs> sentence. I'm just so, saying that he looked. He didn't. Did he look good in his playoff game? No. So we we are we are thrown off by 19 of 23 for 198 and three scores and of what Mac Jones did against Cleveland. Um he he did not make uh my list. And Mary Kate was right in saying that Doug will not like this pick. I was I trying to figure out where she was going when she said that. And then yeah, then it started to come <laughs> together a little bit. I knew Mac he was gonna I knew he was gonna hammer that pick, which is part of the reason why I took him here when I could have taken a lot of other <laughs> guys. I wanted to have a little bit of fun. <laughs> Mac Jones is the new Carson Wentz for, for Doug. Oh, that's good. I need a new one because Carson Wentz is going to be playing in the XFL next year. That's mm. good. No, no I'll, I'll have a Mac Jones bet with somebody. <laughs> with, with Mary Kay. Yeah, there you go. Carson Wentz <laughs> and a Mac Jones poster on your wall. <laughs> I'm, I'm being nice right now. I'm not saying anything about Josh Allen at all. I know. It's like the trump card for Mary Kay in every quarterback <laughs> discussion with me from now until the end of time. <laughs> There's there's a guy here that has fall that is like plummeting and I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised he's still on the board. I'm not up yet. Where, where are we here? We're on Doug. Doug, you're up. So I think I'm not gonna take the guy that you're thinking of, Dan, but I am gonna take another rookie who I think has a much brighter future than Mac Jones, and I'm gonna take Justin Fields, which is based on like nothing he did this year, but the Bears are a mess. He needs a new coach, but I think we saw some glimpses right i mean he's got the package of skills he's got a josh allen kind of package of skills here i think a little bit he can throw a deep ball he's big he's strong he can move i think there's a lot in there for justin fields i think with somebody different calling his plays and again we saw 
the best of Mac Jones against the Browns. We saw the worst of Justin Fields against the Browns. That was his first start. He had no offensive line. He had no idea what he was doing. But if we're getting down into this range of, well, you know, kind of solid guys, I'll take upside here. And I don't think it's going to take all that long for him to show it. So I had Justin Fields overall at 15. I'll take him here at 19. Fields did get drafted last year. We had him last year. Oh, that's my wrong, wrong form here. We had him last year at 31st. So he did actually make the cut last year. We're not going 31 deep uh, this year, but Justin Fields did get picked. By the way, we're saying right now that we believe you can drop Mac Jones and Justin Fields onto T-Mex and win a Super Bowl over. This is not the player I was talking about a, a couple of picks ago over Baker. This is how far Baker has fallen. To this point, that we've got well, Mac let's, not, Jones let's not have a consensus on that. No, There's no, no. no some we in that, right? Yeah. Right, it's, it's not the consensus, but just the way this has played out. This is what this is how this draft is. Okay, so I'm up here, uh, with all that being said, at number 20. And I, I gotta tell you, it kind of hurts me to take this guy because I've never been like a huge fan of his, but I just he needs he needs to be off the board at this point. He needs to be a guy like I I know that if I put this guy in an offense and build it around him a little bit, he can do something for me. I got to take Matt Ryan here. Um, and I know he's getting older. He's thirty six. He'll be thirty seven when the season starts next year. But I still think Matt Ryan can play. I, I still think he he needs to be off the board by now. So Matt Ryan, as much as you drive me crazy, as much as there's there's weeks when I just I see the numbers and then I watch it and I'm like, what? I think I actually said this in last year's draft. I'm like, what, what are we doing here? Still taking you, Matt, because uh, I think you should be off the board at this point. I agree with that. That's the guy I thought you were talking about with there. Yeah. So I think he's like the last guy in the clump. Okay. So, <laughs> so here we go. This is our last round now. Unless, of course, the guy we're waiting for doesn't go. I guess we have to keep going a little bit. Um, <laughs> but this is our last round. Ashley, you are up at number 21. I'm going to cause chaos no matter who I pick, but <laughs> I'm debating. This is largely an upside pick. I'm taking Tyler Huntley here because. Whoa. All right. I, okay. I, well, well, let me do, let me talk. Well, uh, uh, okay. Should, what do you want to say, Doug? No, 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 no. You're right. Go ahead. I'm going to cause chaos. I think the in the right scenario with more experience, I am very intrigued by what he can do. I'm very intrigued by the way he can run, the way the Browns talked about him after they played him. I just think there's so much potential there. And I would have taken him later if we were going in another round, but I just kind of want to talk about him quite honestly. You got to hope that potential shows up next year. Yeah, it's a gamble. It's definitely a gamble, but that's why I took him. I would have taken him later if we were going more rounds, but I just kind of want to talk about him. <laughs> okay. Who doesn't want to talk about Tyler? Huntley? All right. So I'm going to inject it now. This is right. I mean, we have to be talking. This is where Baker Mayfield is sliding in. And the idea that like we're taking backup quarterbacks ahead of Baker Mayfield is a little bonkers to me that I just want to make sure that people are like, oh my God, there's. 37 guys before Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield has a very strong case, even given the year he had to be a top 20 quarterback, because this is a reminder of when you get down to this. Scott, is he your slash? Is Baker your slash? Yes, he's my slash. Okay. I thought Baker was your slash. 
this is where he belongs in this discussion. And I'm not going to wait for us to pick him because we just picked a backup quarterback <laughs> ahead of Baker Mayfield. So our whole, thing, chaos. our whole thing with Baker Mayfield is like, well, he hasn't had like a good full season yet. He had a good, it's like Tyler Huntley played six games. Yes. So I think like, if you want to make a compelling case for you take Baker Mayfield ahead of Kirk Cousins, I think maybe you could. If you want to make a compelling case, you take him ahead of Justin Fields. I certainly think you could. This is exactly, if you want to take him ahead of Matt Ryan, if you want to take him ahead of Mac Jones or Jimmy G, I certainly think the best case scenario of Baker Mayfield, which is certainly not an impossible thing that we see in 2022, has him right in this conversation. And I had him 19th on my list, and we're now at pick 22, and I just didn't want us to go any further without me saying he's number 19 on my list. So we don't have to talk about him all right now, but Ashley picked him back up. So I had to do it. Listen, listen, listen. I was between Baker and putting everyone out of their misery and Tyler Huntley. And I went the other way, mainly because I think it's fun. But also, I mean, I just was considering like pure upside, right? Like I do give Baker some benefit of the doubt with his injury, but I'm still like, what's he actually going to look like next year? So I'm assuming with this pick that Tyler Huntley is all potential going forward when I pick him. And it's a little crazy. It's the hottest take I think I've ever had on this podcast, but it's fun, right? I got Doug to scream. That's that's entertaining. <laughs> you got, This is on you though. I hope you're having fun because people are going to be tweeting. Ashley Bastock took Tyler Huntley ahead of Baker Mayfield. He threw three touchdowns this year. He threw three touchdowns and four interceptions. So like you would rather, to me, this is the question. I know we're doing team X. If the, the Browns are trying to make the playoffs last year, you'd rather you'd get rid of Baker and drop in Tyler Huntley. You'd rather have Tyler. That's Huntley a different conversation. Get, That's a different it's, conversation. It's winning team Browns, X. It's winning team X. If we're talking about the Browns though, specifically, I think Baker certainly has the benefit of having played in this system. And obviously he's gone to the playoffs and you're assuming he, he comes back healthy. Great. I'm talking about, we're talking about team X here. And potential, I mean, potential is a big part of this going forward. So but for next year, for one year, for one yeah, year. Yeah, that's why Wait I was considering him. But Baker's potential, I mean, we don't we don't know what he's going to look like coming off of that surgery and some of the other injuries he's had. That's I true. have to interject here for a quick second. First of all, Kyle Shanahan, who is one of the best coaches in the NFL, bet that Trey Lance was going to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Why? because he felt that he had good upside potential. So yeah, he chose Trey Lance to take his team to the playoffs and Super Bowl potentially ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo. He tried to upgrade based on potential and style points too. I think he wanted to jump into the uh, dual threat quarterback thing, which is also something that Tyler Huntley does bring you. And we last year added quarterbacks who were rookies to our list and we had no idea what they had done so to say a a guy has only thrown three touchdown passes well we had guys on our list including Justin Fields last year that had no touchdown passes in the NFL but we thought had the potential that you could build a team around him so I don't think it's insane or crazy uh, to look at the physical skills and the processing skills of a Tyler Huntley and think that there's something there. I think we all agreed that that this player uh, maybe could turn into something someday. So I don't think it's all that crazy, especially 
uh, if you're looking at it from a dual threat, big arm standpoint. I mean, I just kept going back to Jadavian Clowney sitting up there and saying, we wanted Lamar back out there when they, I know the Browns won that game, but like, I think that there is something there. And I'd be curious, you know, if he wasn't a backup, what he would look like. Obviously, that's asking a lot of a guy just in terms of role and responsibilities. But again, I'm not talking about the Browns offense specifically. And if we were, I think I would have made a stronger, I would have leaned more towards Baker here. But I'm just, I'm going with the, the controversy here. So that's my pick. And Scott, we're turning in the card for you at 22 for Baker. Since he was your he was your other slash. So, so yeah, I was always going to take. Discussion. I was going to take Baker here, uh, and I'm surprised he, he got this low. I had him 14th. Um, I'm surprised he's fallen so low. Uh, look, I know he had the injuries this season, but let's remember how this season started. 21 of 28, 321 yards against the uh, the Chiefs, and then the next week he had two incompletions. Actually, at three, one was a pick, but. He ended those first two games like over 80% completion percentage. Um, next two games, he had to figure out how to deal with that shoulder issue. He had a comeback game against the Chargers, and then it was just kind of a mess from there. So as he just continued to get more and more hurt, um, going off the belief that he's going to come back healthy, um, going off the belief that this is a non-throwing shoulder injury and not a throwing shoulder injury. So the, Likelihood of him bouncing back from that is going to be greater. Uh, he ended last season. This this uh, PFF chart that I that I've been kind of peeking at here. Uh, they had him tenth, um, and that's combining EPA rank and his PFF grading, which was very high, especially over the second half of that season. Um, kind of fell off the map this year with all that, obviously. But um, again, I had him fourteenth. I think looking how this past season started. Uh, maybe gives me a little confident, more confidence that he can be good again and kind of pick up uh, or be, be somewhat close to where he was at the end of 2020. So but where, he, Doug, where would you have taken Baker? I had him 19th, but I, uh, that, that was the low end of that. I thought that again, I, I'll make a couple upside plays like with Lawrence and fields and some guys like that. But um, you know, I'd have, you'd have Tannehill ahead of him because just Tannehill has the longer track record of, of doing it. Uh, but I do think like in this mix, especially as you think about some guys who are getting older, like Matt Ryan versus Baker Mayfield. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a hugely strong conviction either way. Although Matt Ryan's one of the guys we talked about is like, would you replace Baker with Matt Ryan? Um, I think a lot of it is, I, I think part of the discussion is like when you look at the top 10, even Baker at his best, you start thinking it might be hard to crack the top 10, right? That it's just like, is he ever going to be ahead of Lamar Jackson? Is he ever going to be? Because some of these younger guys are ascending, right? Um, but I also think it's, you know, is it encouraging that he's coming off the year he's coming off and you'd still say he's like, well, he's not 20th. He's not 30th. He's ahead of Jared Goff. You know, he's ahead of, Daniel Jones. And I, I'm not saying that facetiously, like there are some crappy quarterbacks out there. So there are a lot of guys that Baker doesn't have the track record of, but then there are also guys that he has a much better track record of then. So I, I think probably he's legitimately is somewhere between like 14th and 20th 
And I think the processings, the stuff that we didn't, you know, the throws that he didn't make, and it's like the physical seemed to affect the mental. That's the thing that I think is throwing a lot of people off. Cause it's like, I know your shoulder hurts, but man, didn't that receiver look open? Why didn't you make that throw? That's hard to get past. And so this feels a little low to me that he lasted this far in our draft to get to 22, but I had him 19. I did have him at 20th and obviously just didn't take him at 21, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with what Doug was saying. I mean, it just is so the mental aspect of this, and I know it's his non-throwing shoulder, like Scott mentioned, but given his throwing motion and obviously Wyatt Teller talked about that in, in depth, kind of when we talked to him last week after exit meetings, like that still, even though it's your non-throwing shoulder, the way he moves his upper body and the way that it helps your like aim essentially. Um, I, I am still wondering that, but it's, it's the mental piece as well and how he's going to be coming back from this mentally almost as much as physically for me and what that's going to look like next year and how much confidence does he have in himself going into 2022. And I, I think the question we try to answer is what is the best of Baker Mayfield? Is it the last six games of 2020 or is that an outlier? And when you look at the rest of his career, it's a pretty significant outlier that the jump his numbers took over those last six games are pretty significantly higher than, than what he's shown. Now, Scott, to your point, he, he started off this year strong. So maybe that was going to continue before the injury. You know, unfortunately, we'll never know that, but it's it's just I'm having trouble slotting Baker ahead of guys like Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, saying outright that, that Baker Mayfield gives me a better chance to win in 2022 than those guys. Um, you know, Tyler Huntley made for an interesting discussion and right. That's upside. We're, we're banging the drum on the upside there for Tyler Huntley if we're, if we're going to take him over Baker Mayfield because we. It, it probably says we don't necessarily believe that Baker Mayfield's upside is top 10 uh, quarterback. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think he belongs ahead of the Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo group. Uh, I just don't think that right now. Um, I think what I have to wonder is more so than the shoulder injury. I think there were other things that were a factor this year. Uh, and one of those things I think is that defenses have kind of caught up to him. And they're figuring out how to play Baker Mayfield. Now, maybe that'll change next year if he has a Kareem Hunt back and if he has some wide receivers, if he's got a number one wide receiver uh, and if he's got a little bit better protection from healthier tackles. So I think his I think he has the potential to be so much better uh, next year than he was this year. But, you know, it's we don't know that yet. And we don't know it because, uh, you know, have defenses figured out that, you know, you need to kind of hem him in and try to make him throw for the, from the pocket where he can't see as well. And, um, you know, is he, does he, is he going to have his confidence back? Because he basically, I think kind of lost his confidence a little bit, but I think it's easy to get your confidence back with some early success. So if he starts to have some, some early success, then I think he can rebound. Uh, one of the problems is he's not going to have a whole lot of time in the off season, early on in the off season to try to throw and do all those kinds of things yet. He's going to have to have to take it easy until late April. So he doesn't have an opportunity to try to figure out what's wrong between him and Austin Hooper. Um, but I do think that, that he does have a chance to, uh, to bounce back. And uh, so, I mean, I actually think this is a pretty good spot for him. He could have gone anywhere 
you know, I mean, Doug, you got a chance to take him at 19 and didn't. So, you know, I think he could have gone anywhere from, you know, whatever, 18, 19, right through here where we have it. I do think it presents an interesting scenario where Baker Mayfield at his best is at the edge of the top 10 is like 10 or 11, right? Again, before we had him last year. And if you're looking at this list, it's like that Prescott is 10th. Is there a world where like four years from now, we really think like Baker Mayfield is a better overall quarterback than Dak Prescott. I, I don't know that I would think that necessarily. So that's his best, but coming off this, he's still in the top 20, right? So like, that's your quarterback. At his best, he's probably never going to be in the top five or top eight. But at his worst, he's still top 20. Like, are, are you happy with that guy being your quarterback long term? Because I think that is a fair overall assessment of Baker Mayfield now and probably for his career. Because I don't show me the world where he's going to end up being better than Justin Herbert. I, I don't know what that looks like. And by the way, as Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and some guys with more athleticism get more experience, they're probably going to pass Baker Mayfield. And then Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers retire, and I get it. But this is, this is, I think, a good look at Baker Mayfield. And then as a franchise, you have to decide, are we good with that? And I think most people would li- listening to this would probably agree with that. I don't know how many people be like, oh, no, 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 no. He could be the fourth best quarterback in the league. Really? Like, I don't know. I think this is a good framing. So I, I had him obviously higher than everybody else here. Um, and the only guys that we've picked so far that I have below him are, are kind of in the same range, I guess. Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Mac Jones, Fields and Lawrence I have below him. And not in Tyler Huntley, too. Um, but, yeah. So, I, I mean, you, what, you could make the argument that, uh, like, Tannehill, Ryan, and Carr, like we had picked him out of him. But they're all kind of, like, in that same – jumble i think that same general area i mean there's a quarterback we're not going to take in this draft who whose season was considered a disaster and his numbers are nearly identical to baker's best season carson once yeah yeah now the eyeball test yeah carson once was a disaster but you know it's it's just tough i don't know i don't know is baker ever going to have a full season like we saw at the end of 2020 or like we saw at the end of his rookie year when, look, he turned the ball over a bunch, but, you know, he was, he still set the rookie touchdown record. Are, are we ever going to see a full season? And, that, and that's just the question. So, all right, let's wrap this thing up. We are up to Mary Kay. Do I have to pick somebody else here? I, I honestly. <laughs> I, it's tough. I, yeah, I honestly don't know. Uh, I've been looking at this and trying to figure out who I would pick here. Uh, and, and it is tough. So there's two guys I've actually been thinking of and, um, and maybe you guys can help me out so I don't get yelled at, but, um, you know, I don't mind getting yelled at neither. Are you taking it back up? We don't care. No, I'm not taking it back up. Okay. Then I won't Uh, yell. You're basically looking at guys who they could bring in to quote unquote, semi compete with Baker at this point, but I, I, those guys we talked about before. But I, I still defend Ashley on, on Tyler Huntley. I don't think that that is <laughs> as 
as far out there. Doug, I seem to recall Doug at one point saying Tyler Huntley might be a top 10 quarterback in this league. That was just a couple of weeks ago, too. Yeah, then I looked at the stats and he had three touchdowns and four interceptions. They came to my senses. (laughs) Dramatic. All right, so there's two guys here that I have been thinking of. Uh, Number one is Teddy Bridgewater, who we have talked about as uh, a player who could come in sort of, you know, even as a, as a backup to, um, to Baker Mayfield in, in one of our uh, matrix scenarios. So, um, so, you know, I think we're down in that, in, in that range now. And then the other one that, that came to mind was Jameis Winston. And are you guys going to laugh your butts off at that or not? I mean, he went five, five and two uh, with the saints before he got hurt. And I think that that system and Sean Payton discovered something in, uh, in Jameis Winston uh, that, that enabled him to be a better quarterback than he had been in his career. So it's kind of between those two guys for me, and I'm going to let you guys uh, help me pick this one. I, I would take Jameis, just the talent. You know, we, we know who he is. I think that you're sitting behind Drew Brees and not playing helped him as well. So I, I, if I had to choose between Jameis and Teddy Bridgewater, I'd take Jameis. I'd bank on there still being some upside there. Anybody else? Yeah, I'd go with Winston too. I had him uh, actually. I had him two spots below where you're picking him here. So, and it's really just kind of going off small sample size of kind of re- resuscitating his career uh, this past season. So, yeah, I, that's not a bad pick. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, you're not going to get yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had them both like right around here. Um... For the sake of argument, I'll say Teddy. I mean, why not? We said that the that he's a guy who could come in and compete with Baker. I think it'd be kind of fitting to to have them, you know, back to back here almost. And yeah, that's the that's my argument for him. Doug, if you go Teddy, then I'm gonna have to break the tie. Who do you got? Yeah, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna abstain. I just think there's a couple other guys out there who are like have even more upside, but haven't sort of failed already. So um, I don't know. It'd be a coin flip to me between these two. Okay, right, I'm, I'll, go, I'll go with Jameis then. I'm going Turn with in the card for Jameis. Yep. Doug, you're up. Uh, I, again, I'm sort of what I just said. I'm kind of between like Tua and Zach Wilson here and Trey Lance too. I mean, like Zach Wilson was number two pick in the draft. Trey Lance was number three pick in the draft. Like Zach Wilson got thrown into New York. I don't know. That place is a mess still. Trey Lance didn't really get to play. Tua, I think, is limited. I think we've seen that. I think he's kind of like an RPO quarterback. He's like got a very specific way that you need to win with him, but I don't think it's impossible to win with him. So I'll take Tua, um, not with much gusto, but you know, Jameis had a five-year run to kind of prove that like he's not quite good enough, and uh, there's enough mystery left with Tua to me that I'll I'll take Tonga Bailoa here. Wait, didn't Baker have a four-year run to prove he's not good enough? Oh, Jameis. Jameis Winston, his team gave up on him. And the last time they went all in on him in year five, he like threw more interceptions than anybody in the history of the league has ever thrown. So um, he went five and two last year. You want to fight today? Do you want to fight? If you <laughs> yes. want to fight, we can fight. I do want to fight. I think I you're giving up too fast on Baker. I, I think that we have not. Baker has been so ridiculously inconsistent that I think Jameis is sort of like, 
not quite being the guy was more consistent. And he did have the suspension in the year three and a little bit that threw him off. But Baker has been like such a roller coaster that I think there's a still a little more mystery with Baker. He's clearly a maybe. He's not a yes. But I think some of these other guys, you know, Tampa gave him a good, long, hard look. And he won, you know, five games or whatever with Sean Payton. Like, I'm not investing a ton in that and thinking that like, oh, my, my winning team X is going to be the team that's finally going to get it all out of Jameis Winston. Baker is like, there's enough weird stuff with him that I'm certainly not all in, but I think there's more uncertainty, which would lead me to trying it more. I don't know that there's much uncertainty less with Jameis Winston. I think we know what he is. And he's a guy who is like a seven and nine quarterback who is going to kill you at times and make big throws at times, but I don't want to trust my franchise to him. I think there's a version of Baker that I think might still be out there that would lead me to him. I've got the last pick and we're, I'm turning this into a tradition. This is officially when we sit down and we do this again next year, the person who has the last pick is obligated, contractually obligated to take this player with the last pick in the draft. Now we went 35 deep last year. We're only going 25 deep this year. With the very last pick in this year's quarterback draft, just like the very last pick in last year's quarterback draft, is Philadelphia Eagles backup quarterback, Gardner Minshew. <laughs> Can we call this pick the Ryan Fitzpatrick memorial pick? I thought it about always taking, has to be Gardner Minshew. I thought about taking Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes, the Ryan Fitzpatrick memorial pick of the 2022 Orange or Brown Talk quarterback draft, Gardner Minshew. All kinds of people making picks just to be crazy. Your name's yes. on this, Dan. You just said Gardner Minshew's the 25th best quarterback in the NFL. Good luck with that. Doug, well, who am I, I going to take? Daniel Jones? Yeah. Like, that's the whole point. Like, people, th- these are fun to talk about, Doug. Where's your sense of fun? No, no. no. Where's <laughs> my sense kill. of fun? You're a buzzkill today. You are such a buzzkill. I got to hang my name on these picks, man. Oh, did you hear about Ashley Bastock? She thinks she thinks Tyler Huntley is the twenty-first best quarterback. Podcast, Doug. Come on. Nobody knows about making podcasts fun like me. I get out here and yell at everybody. (laughs) Gosh, I I do think the exercise is like once you get to like twenty, it's a bunch of I don't know. There's like three Hall of Famers, ten really good quarterbacks, ten maybes. Right? It's like top three, top ten, then another group of ten, and then a bunch of I don't know. And that's the world that Baker Mayfield lives in. So again, it's a, I think it's a good reminder of like, if you think all 32 teams have a sure thing at quarterback, you're crazy. So it'd be nice if the Browns had a guy in the top 10 for sure. They don't. That should probably be the goal. That's what they should pursue. And if they don't have Baker Mayfield as their quarterback someday, it's because that's what they're pursuing. They're trying to get a guy who's a sure thing top 10. But if you think you can win with the guy who's in that mix in the middle, Baker Mayfield's still in there. He's closer to 20th than he is the 10th right now, but he's still in there. He still has a shot, and at least he's not Gardner Minshew. Well, here's here's my formal apology to the one person who sat through 90 minutes of this waiting to see who we would pick number 25, and I just took Gardner Minshew as a, as a gimmick. <laughs> I apologize, but hey, now you know. It's going to happen again next year, too. Gardner Minshew is going to be the last pick in this year. If we go 10 deep next year, Gardner Minshew is going to be the last pick. <laughs> No, I just, it's like Jalen Hurts, his team made the playoffs this year. Carson Wentz's team was on the edge of making the playoffs. There are teams who are like winning despite like not having guys that anybody 
really believes it, right? So on some level, it's like you need a quarterback to win, but it's also like, well, you might be able to finagle at least a playoff spot with a kind of really iffy quarterback if you do everything else right. Steelers made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Big Ben, if he was, Big Ben would not have been in our top 25, even if he was coming back, right? Because he's so limited. Nobody would have picked Big Ben, right? He's got to throw 40 passes to get 200 yards. I'm not saying that I'm giving up on Baker Mayfield too early. I mean, you said I was giving up on Baker Mayfield too early. I'm saying that I think Baker Mayfield is going to be a lot better next year when he has some receivers. And I think they need three new pass catchers. And when they address the tackle situation and when they address the system slash play calling situation around him and when he doesn't have the harness on. So I think he has the potential to be a lot better next year. And I'm not dead set against them trying it again and running it back if they can't find somebody better. Well, the good news is we get to talk about it for the next six months. Mm. <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Scott, Doug, Mary Kay, and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. Trust me, that was way more exciting in person than it was for those of you out there listening. And it wasn't that exciting in person.